Thank you, John. Thank you, praise team. A uh, couple of quick thank yous and just acknowledgments. Uh, one thing, I don't know if we have mentioned this, but you get your bulletin every week when you come in, and something that we are reinstating is on the back you'll see group discussion questions. And so each week, uh, Kevin and I are trying to write some questions that pair with our sermon text and topic for that day. Uh, those can be used in family discussions for our faith at home. They can be used in life groups. You can use them in Bible classes or just use them maybe as journaling reflective questions through the week. But just wanted to highlight that um, as a resource to equip you through the week. Hope, excuse me, hopefully that's helpful uh, in some way. Uh, the other thing I want to acknowledge, and she's not going to like that I do this, but it is so good to see Tammy Lee back signing here in the front. And I would love for us to give her a round of applause. Today is her first day back after a very long journey that she's had, and the church has been praying for her and Scotty, uh, and it's just such a blessing uh, to get to see her back serving in this wonderful way. So I'll have her not sign any more about her, and we'll jump back into uh, what we're going to do for the day. Uh, last quick update and reminder, a couple months ago, we talked about our three vision initiatives, uh, and I spoke about our belonging and connection initiatives, and we had three of those. We talked about our Bible class culture, uh, we talked about these L2 groups, and we talked about reaching out to people that we miss. And I want to give you a quick update on that second one, hence it's being underlined. Those L2 groups are going to be hospitality groups that we launch in August, and what we would like is to have as many people involved in those as is willing and possible. What is an L2 group? stands for Love God and Love Neighbor, and it is a way for us to get to know each other a little bit better as a community. So if you're a longtime member here, great, be a part of one. If you are a recent member here, great, be a part of one. If you're still visiting and getting to know us, great, be a part of them. They're going to meet once a month for four months, August, September, October, November, and we are going to be doing some leader training next month on two separate Sundays. So if you signed up to be a leader back in April, I have your name. I'm going to be reaching out to you. If you've been thinking about, is this something I want to be a part of, and you would like to take a leadership role, which will really just consist of you hosting a meal at your house or hosting somewhere, you can pair up with another individual or couple. If you want to find out more about what it might mean to lead one of these groups in the fall, we're going to have two opportunities, the exact same meeting, on July the 9th, noon in the fellowship hall, or if you can't make that, uh, July 23rd. Uh, the lunch will not be provided, so that will be a bring-your-own lunch, uh, but we'll only do that for an hour, and we would love for you, if you're interested in being a leader in one of those groups, to come on one of those two Sundays. If neither of those work, uh, reach out to me, and we'll talk a little bit more about getting you that uh, training information. So I wanted to give you get an update about some stuff happening in July related to our vision initiative proposals. Uh, we're in a series that we're calling What Matters, and what we're doing this summer is we're moving through these values that we have laid out as a congregation based upon our congregational listening to you all last fall. And so we're moving through these, and we're in the third of those, and today we're going to be looking at this value of service. And I want to read a passage to kind of frame our conversation from Matthew 20, verses 17 through 28. While Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and on the third day he will be raised. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, and kneeling
come before him, she asked a favor of him. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, declare that these two sons of mine will sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left, this is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the ten heard it, they were angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, for these words of life that speak to us. And I pray that you would today give me the gift of preaching and teaching and that you would give us all the gift of open hearts, that we would hear your voice and be transformed by it more into the image of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Over the last two weeks, I have had two separate family members have the same exact eye surgery for cataracts. For the squeamish stomachs in the room, I won't go into the details of what that surgery entails, but basically, it's the removal of an old cloudy lens and the replacement with an artificial clear lens so that the individual can see more clearly. I was very interested in how things turned out for both of these surgeries, not just because I love my family members and I want the surgeries to go well, but also, genetically speaking, I probably one day will have to have these surgeries because I don't have great eyesight unless I'm wearing my contacts or my glasses. And even then, things can be kind of fuzzy. So I wanted to know, what exactly does this surgery entail? And so I was talking to one of my family members on the phone yesterday, and she said something that struck me. She said, Wilson, I didn't realize how cloudy my vision was until I now see how clear it can be. I didn't realize, some of you are nodding your heads, you've had this surgery. I didn't realize how cloudy my vision actually was until I saw how clear it could actually be. Uh, we are moving through this series where we're talking about our values. And a couple of weeks ago, we kicked off this series, and I gave you an image to think about our values as a congregation, what matters to us. And I gave us the image of a lantern. A lantern as a way to think about values. Values are what light our way as we try to be people of faith, as we journey through this world. And today I want to give you a second image as a way to think about values, and that is the image of lenses. That when we talk about values, values are like those lenses through which we view everything. Values are lenses, so when we look at our mission of making and nurturing disciples, we look at that mission through our values. When we look at our vision initiatives of leadership development, connection and belonging, families, children, students, we look at them through our values. Values give us clarity about how we want to go about mission 
and vision, the kinds of people we want to be, the kinds of people we want to see in such a certain way. And it's good for us to revisit these values from time to time because, like our real eyes can do, they can get cloudy through wear and tear. And so it's good for us to revisit those values and ask, well, what are they and why does this value even matter to us? And that's why I've picked today a particular text to talk about this value of service. Because this passage that I read to you just a second ago in Matthew 20 is a great example of a moment where the disciples' vision is cloudy and Jesus comes to do some corrective surgery, so to speak. He's trying to help them see more clearly about what it means to be men and women who are a part of the kingdom of God. And this cloudy moment starts innocent enough when a mother, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, James and John, come to Jesus and she asks a favor of Jesus. And he says, what do you want? And she says that she wants her sons to sit at the right and the left on the thrones of God's kingdom, the right and the left of King Jesus. And it's really important to notice that her request was about more than just a request. I would say it this way, that, that her request for their position was really a request about their power based upon how they saw power. She was asking about their position. Where are they going to sit? Can they sit on the right and the left, these thrones on the right and the left? And it was a question about position, but it was really a question about power. She wanted them to be in a powerful position in God's kingdom. Because the mother and the sons of Zebedee make this assumption about power based upon the kingdoms of the world around them. And power in the kingdoms of the world operated in a certain way. Uh, that those who had power tried to get more power. And those with the most power, you tried to be close to them because that meant you had more power. And, and the greater position you had meant you had greater power and authority in that given kingdom. And it also meant that people who didn't have those positions on the right and the left meant they had less power, which is the exact reason why all of those other disciples get so upset. My favorite translation, I read it, they were angry. I love the translation, and they were indignant. They were so upset because they knew if those guys were sitting on the right and the left and they weren't, again, they were getting upset based upon the same assumption about power in God's kingdom. They assumed that the kingdom of God just worked like the Gentile kingdoms of this world, where some people clamored and climbed for more power, and that meant others had less. This whole scene, this whole conflict, this whole dispute is being unfurled and unfolded based upon this assumption about how power works in God's kingdom. And the mom and the sons of Zebedee and all the rest of the disciples, they had this cloudy vision because all they could do was see God's kingdom through throne-colored glasses. And yet Jesus comes along, and he responds in a way that is what I want to call some corrective eye surgery. He's trying to clarify their vision. He's trying to give them a clearer vision of how God's kingdom works. And he does it in a brilliant way, as Jesus always does, by how he starts and ends the passage. At the beginning of the passage, Jesus makes this statement. We read these words. 
See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and on the third day he will be raised. This dispute unfolds, and then he rounds off the statement, and he ends the passage with this statement. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom or release for many. And I add the word release to give us an idea of what ransoming really is. But it's about releasing. It's about liberating someone who's in bondage. And this frame about Jesus' identity and mission explains the nature of this conflict that is happening between the disciples. But it's not just a conflict between the disciples. It's a conflict between how the disciples view the kingdom and how Jesus views the kingdom. Uh, Because from the disciples' point of view, uh, when they see kingdoms, they can only think of kingdoms of this world. They think about thrones and being on the most prestigious spot in the kingdom, and that meant more power. It meant I'm getting more power, and therefore others are going to have less power. But for Jesus, from his point of view, he sees kingdoms very differently. He sees the kingdom of God through his mission as the Son of Man. And what does the Son of Man come to do? He comes to pour his life out, to take on the cup of suffering and pour himself out for the sake of the world, for the release of the world, for the ransom of anyone who has been in the bondage of slavery. Jesus comes to liberate and to set free so that people might flourish. Or, to use an image that Jesus alludes to in this passage, When it comes to life and power in God's kingdom, the Son of Man comes to be a cup, to pour himself out for the sake of the world. And to me, that really describes the distinction between how the disciples view things and how Jesus views things. The way I would say it is that there is a conflict of throne power versus cup power. That the disciples are viewing this entire conversation through the lenses of throne power. Throne power based upon all of the thrones and kingdoms that were around them. The way the Gentiles operated. Who took their power and they lorded others. They were tyrants over other people. They abused their power and anyone below them was diminished. They were on the receiving end. That throne power really asks two questions. What can I get? And how can I use my power for myself? That is what the whole debate with these disciples are. Uh, But Jesus comes along and he gives them these lenses that I'm calling cup power lenses. Jesus is trying to see power through a different set of lenses according to God's kingdom. This upside down kingdom where he says in the passage before this one, the last will be first and the first will be last. The cup power lenses ask two different kinds of questions. Cup power lenses ask these questions. What can I give and how can I use my power for others? And to me, this is the debate. This is the difference between how the disciples are viewing things and how Jesus is viewing things. Uh, that, That throne power have these lenses where we kind of envision ourselves as thrones domineering and dominating and getting the most prestigious position possible so we can exercise our power. 
But cup power lenses view ourselves as a cup, where we take the power that we have, no matter great or small, and we are willingly pouring that out for the sake of others, so that others will be released, so that others will flourish, so that others will experience life. And for Jesus, he, he wants this cup power lens to be the lens by which this community of disciples thinks about and views power. I, I'm not a big basketball fan. I'm not a big basketball athlete, if you've ever played basketball with me. My basketball references basically end with NBA Jam of the 1990s. So anything after that, I get really fuzzy on. I am not a great basketball fan. I can't really, like, do those conversations. But I'll watch a game, and I really like watching games, and I'll watch some of the playoffs over the last few months. And whether it's a regular season game or whether it's a playoff game, one of my favorite moments in watching basketball are coaches' timeouts when there's only, like, two or three minutes left. And it's not just I like that moment, but I like watching the coach. I like trying to read the coach's lips to know what are they saying to their players in this moment. Because what they're saying in this moment is very important and it's crucial, right? Because there's not much time left. And if the game is close, there's even a greater intensity to what they are saying. They're trying to remind the team in that moment of what matters most. How does this team operate? How do we run plays? Who are we as a team? They do not in those huddles talk about the other team they're talking about the kind of team they want to be and i can't help but imagine this moment with jesus and his disciples as kind of this last minute huddle because we're in matthew 20 and there's not many chapters left and the passion of jesus is on the horizon he's headed to jerusalem there is not much time left and what happens his disciples start fighting and he calls a coach's timeout and he pulls them aside and he says, and it's, it's translated a few different ways, but my favorite translation is the translation I was taught. The New King James says, but it shall not be so among you. He describes how the Gentiles operate. He describes how they do power. They lord it over each other. They're tyrants with their power. And he pulls his disciples in, and he looks them in the eye, and he says to them, but it shall not be so among you. Among you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the community of disciples who have said, we are about pursuing Jesus with our lives. And he says, okay, if that's the team that you're on, let me tell you how we operate. I don't have much time left here. My time is running out. We, we need to have a huddle about how this is going to work. In my kingdom, things work different. In my kingdom, you don't come to be served, but you come to serve. Why? Because that's what I'm doing. Don't be a community who operates with thrown power lenses, that where the ultimate concern is my agenda and my preferences and my title and what I can get out of this. But be a cup power community. Be a community that says, I'm going to take what I have, whatever power I have, whether it's influence or intelligence, whether it's time or treasure or talents, whether it's experience or education or longevity in a community or family connections, power comes in all shapes and sizes. Influence comes in all shapes and sizes. To ask, how can I use that that I have 
to bless others, to benefit others, to be poured out into the life of others. And I, I hesitate to even say whether there's a lot in your cup or not, because whether we think we have a lot of power or a little power, those categories don't even matter in God's kingdom. We're talking about the Jesus who took a few loaves of fish and bread and he fed thousands. So how much more could he do with what you might perceive as just a little power? And I've intentionally not used this word, but I now want to use it, and it's this value of service. That fundamentally, service is an act of cup power. Because service is about pouring out what I have for others. That's what service is. Service is saying, I'm going to take whatever I have, be it time, energy, talents, resources, connections, influence, whatever it is that I have, and I'm going to try to let that benefit someone else. With no strings attached, with no agenda, I'm just going to try to serve and bless another person so that they might flourish. Not according to what I think flourishing looks like, but according to what God sees flourishing as. Fully alive, glorifying God with every part of their life. Let me just pour something into them. That that's what the church is called to be. It should be different among us. I would say it this way when we think about service as a value. That a church that values service. Next slide, please. We'll constantly be asking, how can we use what we have for the sake of others? And we all have something that we can offer in service. That last part is underlined because I'm fascinated by how often people will talk about what they have or what they've done or the experiences they've had and treat it so indifferently or, or compare it to someone else with it's not as good as their gift or it's not as much as them, I don't have as much as them, I don't have as much time as them. And, and before we know it, we've diminished ourselves and we haven't asked ourselves the question, well, well, what do I have? And we all have something to give. We all have something to offer. Doesn't matter your history, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter where you have been. In fact, it's those very things that might be the thing that you have to offer. This past week, I was trying to live with service lenses. Because just notice, where did I see service happening? And I remember on Monday, I was in a conversation with a man. He was talking to me about how he was a caregiver for his wife currently. That in this particular season of their life, he was taking care of her. So he worked, and he took care of her, and that's really all he had time for. He talked about the, the life that God had given him, and he was using that life to try to take care of her. And when I heard him say that, I thought, that is cup power. On Tuesday, I was at lunch with a mentor, a guy that I get lunch with from time to time. And we're talking about some different things related to life. And he began to just share some of his story. He began to share something that happened to him about 20 years ago when he was about my age. With no agenda, with no strings attached, he just said, I want you to know what happened to me and what I learned. He took the power of his experience and his mistakes, and he poured that into me. And he just gave that to me with no strings attached because he wants me to flourish. I think about Thursday, I got a text from an elder at this congregation and the text was simply acknowledgement that they were praying for me and for Jessica and for Everly. And that was it. 
they were taking the power of prayer and they were pouring that into my life. I think about Thursday night, took Everly to his friend's house. There were some older girls at this house. She was the youngest of them. And she walks in, and those teenage girls light up, and they immediately run to her, and they pull her in, and they start playing with her. And she just lit up with delight. These teenage girls had this power, according to my daughter's view, of popular and fun and older, and they, she looks up to them, and they took that, and they poured that into her. And in that moment, they were living out cup power. They were serving her. A couple months ago, Everly and I were here on a Friday, and we were kind of touring the building. I call it touring the building. Everly calls it playing in every room in the building. And we made our way into the kids' wing, and Miss Carol and some others were in there getting Magi boxes ready. And I noticed that there was this box of bears. And I looked down, and I asked Miss Carol, I said, where did you buy those bears? She smiled really big. She said, I don't buy those bears. Kay Davis makes those bears every week. She makes these bears, they put them in Magi boxes, and they go, and they're a blessing to someone else. These bears are cut power. That even as, as Jerry and Kay navigate different seasons and stages of life, they're still pouring out for the sake of others. Everybody, everybody has something to offer. Everybody can serve. Everybody has some power. The question is, are we going to play throne power games? Or are we going to be a cup power community? That's our question. What kind of community are we going to be? Because if we can't do it in here, then we can't do it out there. That one of the things the church is called to be is to be a community where we learn the ways of Jesus together so that we can show that way to the world. And so this week, I just want to ask, what lenses are you looking at? What lenses are you looking through? Are you looking at everything through throne-colored glasses? Or might we ask the great physician to do some eye surgery on us where we need it? So that we can begin to see the world through cup power lenses. And when we do, we will become the hands and feet of Jesus. Who didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a release for many. Let's be those kinds of people this week. Let's pray. God, thank you for serving each and every one of us through your sacrifice on the cross. To show us an upside down way of living that is not what we're taught. We have to learn it. We don't pick it up. But we really have to be retaught this new, better, true way that you've come to show us. So help us to see you and help us to see where this is happening around us. And help us to see that we can be a part of it as well. God, help us to be this kind of community this week. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.
If you have any response to the invitation, you can come forward. We'll also have shepherds in the back. But whatever your need may be, you can respond now while we stand and sing.